Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Did you hear that? Wine and champagne is 20% off. And that? Medium selection boxes like Skittles and Cadbury mix and match any three for five euro. 20 and 24 can boxes of Coke, Diet Coke and Coke Zero are just 12 euro. Have you got any 10 off 50s? And that's the sound of better value. Every week leading up to Christmas, there's new savings to be had. Dunn stores make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Vouching abuse to next grocery shop of 50 euro or more. Voucher excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly. The capital of the state of Oklahoma is technically called the City of Oklahoma City. Not only the capital, but the state's largest city, the area that makes up Oklahoma City, was settled in 1889 when what was then unassigned lands were opened up to homesteaders. It's become one of the country's aviation centers, being home to Tinker Air Force Base and the Federal Aviation Administration's Mike Moroney Aeronautical Center. In 1995, Timothy McVeigh detonated a homemade AMFO bomb in front of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building, killing 168 people and injuring hundreds more. McVeigh was convicted of the bombing in 1997. Also in 1997, in Midwest City, a suburb just east of OKC, Anthony Palma kidnapped 8-year-old Kirsten Hatfield from her home and she was never seen again. Anthony would spend nearly two decades as an unsuspecting neighbor before a tiny piece of evidence would connect him to the crime. This is Monsters. Anthony Palma was born in 1959. He had lived in a small house on Jet Drive for many years while he worked as a landscaper for the state capitol. He described himself as your regular neighborly guy. Basically, when I moved there, lived there, there was a bunch of older people. That was like an, uh, not a no retirement place, but most of the people in that area were old retirees. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, being, I like doing stuff all the time. You know, I was always outside and somebody's working on their vehicle, got to go be busy body, hey, you know, and help them. Or somebody's washing machine was broke down. And older people, you know, they can't. Nights, older people, <laughs> you know, can't do stuff. And I've always been mechanically inclined, you know, where I could figure stuff out, you know, right. or help them move this or, you know, just, I've always been, I don't know about friendly, but neighborly. Right. And that being my first home, right. you know, I tried to make it where that neighborhood was my home. Yeah. Well, did you help any of the kids over there? Well, when the pizza, yeah, I've always there's always that's my pill house. 
Well, I don't know about Kool-Aid. That's always been my pet peeve is I grew up hungry. You know, and I don't, there's a lot of kids hungry. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not where I'd go down my way, hey, you hungry? But I mean, you see kids, you're over there eating something and they're just, right. you know, you see them draw, right. I can't stand that. He had been living in that house for a while before a young family moved into a house two doors down. He said he didn't know anything about them. Kirsten Hatfield was born on February 12, 1989, and was living on Jet Drive in Midwest City with her mother and younger sister in 1997. On May 13th, Kirsten's mother, Shannon, put the girls to bed at about 11.30 p.m. When Shannon went to check on Kirsten the following morning, between 6 and 6.30 a.m., she was gone. When investigators arrived at the house, they found blood on the chain-link fence into the backyard, on the windowsill into Kirsten's bedroom, and on a pair of torn underwear that belonged to Kirsten that were found in the backyard. The window into Kirsten's bedroom was open a crack. There were no other clues as to where the young girl might have been taken. A DNA sample was generated from the blood, but at the time, it didn't get them any information. Shannon admitted to having a drug problem at the time and suggested that maybe someone who was involved in drugs had taken her, but it was only a guess and didn't lead police any closer to finding Kirsten. Investigators believed it must have been someone close to Kirsten to be able to get her out of the house without making much noise, so they interviewed family members and gave some polygraph tests. Some of them failed the tests, but there wasn't enough evidence to make an arrest. It was possible that the tests were failed due to lies about drug involvement. It's hard to say now, though. During the investigation into Kirsten's disappearance, Anthony was questioned and he claimed that his house was searched. When did you first become aware of uh, Kirsten was missing and all that stuff? Well, the next day there was all that activity and I asked the neighbor across the street what was going on. They said they couldn't find Kirsten and I didn't think nothing about it, you know. I went to work and then... I, I don't remember if she called me or I called over there or what, and they said they just want people back, you know, because they wanted to go to our houses and blah, blah, blah. So, clocked out and came back home. Do you remember what time it was that no. he clocked out came back home? No. Was this morning? Was this afternoon? It was uh, probably mid-morning, something like that. Now, who was the friend that you were communicating with? It was, uh, and I don't, today, I don't know what her name is. Y'all showed me a picture of her. Okay. I think y'all showed me a picture of her. Anyway, of her husband, Don. Is this the Holseys, Tiffany Holsey and Don Holsey? I guess, no. yeah. I'm not sure if if, yeah. if Mr. Holsey is Don or not. Um, did you have well, somebody had called me and said they was, they was, they, that we were wanted back at our house. Okay. So I, I came home. Okay. And then what happened? I just sat there. Did... did any of our officers or the FBI or anybody come by? It was an FBI, yeah. Okay. He came in, took statements, you know, walked through the house and, you know, wanted to go in the backyard and, you know, because I had a shed back there. He wanted to look in the shed. And okay. So he did look through the house and yeah. get through the shed? Yeah. You probably don't remember who that was, I'm sure. No. Okay. And did he... Was he just asking you general questions about Kirsten, and did you know her, have you seen her, that kind of thing, or? Basically. Did you write out a statement for him, or did he no, really just write a conversation? A, I thought he brought out a statement. Okay. But he asked me if he'd come in, he wanted, you know, asked me what I knew, which at the time really wasn't anything. He wanted to 
he said they was going through the na- canvassing the neighborhood and yeah. you know asking everybody and yeah. eventually the investigation went cold anthony continued living in the same house two doors down from the house that kirsten disappeared from he eventually left his job at the state capitol and began working as a groundskeeper at thunderbird state park he got married and had a couple of kids Shannon moved away with her younger daughter, cleaned up, and got remarried. Nobody at the police department forgot about Kirsten, and in June of 2015, investigators with the FBI and the Midwest City Police went to Anthony's house to interview him about the 18-year-old crime. At his house, his wife told them that Anthony got upset every year on the anniversary of the disappearance. She said she thought it was because it happened so close to his house, but it's not uncommon for people who got away with a crime to get emotional when reminded of what they had done. When they reviewed the evidence again, they realized that there were some pieces that were never tested, like cigarette butts and a beer bottle. They also knew that DNA testing was much more sophisticated now and it may lead them to a suspect. They requested DNA samples from 10 people close to the case and one of them was Anthony Palma. They actually tested other men's DNA first and didn't get a match when they decided to talk to Anthony again because someone had told them that Anthony used to do yard work at Kirsten's house. On July 22nd, the Oregon State Bureau of Investigation confirmed that Anthony's DNA was a match to the DNA found at the crime scene. When investigators started looking through the old case file, they started finding that the information they got from Anthony did not match what was in the case file they couldn't find any documentation that his house was searched back in 1997. By October, they had gathered enough evidence to bring Anthony in for an interview. you remember anything about the, the day or evening before? You said it was just a typical day. You worked all day and then went home. you remember anything unusual about that evening that stands out to you? No, other than what I told them about, you know, seeing the white truck, you know, in front of their, the white Chevy truck in front of their yard. Okay. You know, I, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with those people, didn't know them at all. You know, it's not like I went, hey, yeah, you, you got your little girls? No, it wasn't like that. I was, usually I was outside working in my yard, you know, either talk to the neighbors or kids would come by, Tony, can you fix my bike? You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like I, tell them to come over or anything. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go to other people's houses unless, you know, I, I was needed or something like that. But everybody just got, oh, Tony, will fix your bike and blah, 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 you know. And I tried to make it feel like, you know, that was kind of a safe place, you know, for, you know. Because I had Tristy at the time. I, she wasn't there during that time. But I had Tristy there since she was, you know, small. And whenever she was there, you know, the kids would come and play with her. And now, who know, is Tristy? She was my, well, one of my girlfriend's daughters okay. that stayed with me a lot. He's quick to tell investigators that he didn't know Kirsten or her family and that he had nothing to do with them. Even though the kids in the neighborhood, who apparently called him Uncle Tony, like that's not a red flag, would regularly ask him to fix their bikes. So you never, I, I'm assuming you probably saw Shannon and Kirsten running around the neighborhood and so forth. To tell you the truth, until that happened, I I, I think I seen the kid one time. She was playing with uh, uh, Crystal that lived up the street. But I don't remember if it was in that time frame or what. I don't, I don't really know. Because I, like I said, I didn't pay no attention. 
Do you remember ever like giving food to Kirsten oh, or yeah. talking to Kirsten? No. Was she ever at your house? No. Anything like no. that? No. And do you remember? I'm, kinda, I'm, I'm actually a leery guy until you know people start coming around. You know, I I just I'm that just oh yeah I will be your friend. You know, no, not like that. Yeah. But I didn't know I didn't I didn't I didn't have don't didn't pay attention to you know who all was there or who they were you know and things like that in my world just fall in place you know we accidentally meet oh okay yeah now i know you you know right. then but no never okay. never do you ever recall helping kirsten with her by no. or anything you don't no. remember any interactions with her no. at all no i know there wasn't any interactions i didn't i didn't know them at all and i just, like i said i don't even know how long they've been living there until that happened It's interesting to me that he claims to have not known anything about Kirsten and how he paid no attention to the kids, but knows Crystal, who lived up the street. He started off the interview talking about how he was a busybody and neighborly. Now he's leery and doesn't interact with people that much. And doesn't it seem suspicious that he seems to know other people in the neighborhood and he fixed other kids' bikes and apparently gave them food, but he had zero interaction with Kirsten somehow? It would seem more reasonable if he said, yeah, I saw her around, I probably fixed her bike once or twice. But being in a bubble where he never came into contact with Kirsten seems like a lie. Let's have a look at today's lineup. There's a strong Dunn Store's influence from top to bottom, starting with selected boxes of bottled beer and cider like Heineken and Boomers from just €18.72. Half-price Pringles are a very welcome inclusion indeed. 10 or 50 grocery vouchers doing their bit at the till as usual. All that's left to do now is enjoy the football. Dunn Stores. Always better value. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher can be used on next grocery shop of €50 or more. Voucher excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly. On the night of May 13th, 1997, Anthony claimed to have not left his house. Yeah, I had a dog in the backyard. Dog, his name was Dog. About 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, he went to raising hell. So I just, you know, believe it or not, in my neighborhood, we still got skunks and possums and stuff like that, plus other dogs, you know. So I don't know why that woke me up, because I usually didn't wake up. And, and usually he's out inside anyway. But it woke me up, and he was barking at that back fence, at our back fence. But at the time, as you walk out my back door, I had an old apricot tree. So unless you went out there, you know, you couldn't see. And I just hollered at him because, you know, thinking it was another dog, because there was always, and traffic, there was human traffic back there. But usually yeah, it was other dogs, about. yeah. There was other dogs or cats. There was always animals through there. So I just, you know, I really didn't think nothing about it. I just hollered at him, and he came in, and I went back to bed. So you actually let him back into the yeah. house? Yeah. So you opened, what, your back door, I'm yeah. assuming, and let him yeah. in? Did you go investigate? No. Did you look down the alley? No. Anything like that? No. Because usually in the past, whenever I did, that's what it was, was, you know, either another dog or people use that alleyway you know to get through why i don't know because i mean i don't know where you'd be going other than from house to house but there was always not always but there was there was traffic i do like that his dog's name was dog we used to have a cat named cat not that i want to have anything in common with this guy when asked anthony pointed the finger at kirsten's mom shannon i'm curious about your your thoughts on what happened who might be involved that kind of thing I don't know, to tell you the truth. Like I said, I didn't know him. But the one thing that's always bothered me, that she left, 
the mom. Mm-hmm. She went to Jones, I guess, with her dad or something like that. I, you could have got me off out of my house. I mean, I know. What if she comes back, or you know, what if somebody makes a call, or you know, something mm-hmm. like that? I, there was no way I'd left that house. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that bothers me. Yeah. She felt like she shouldn't have left, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever, at any point over these years, or, or back when it occurred, um, have any knowledge of what happened, or know no. who was involved, no. or were you in any way involved? No. He believes that it's suspicious that Shannon moved out of the house because then she wouldn't be there if Kirsten came back or someone called. But it's not uncommon for people to not be able to stay where something terrible happened to a loved one. He had also mentioned Shannon's drug use as a possible factor for the girl's disappearance. Not long after Kirsten's disappearance, Shannon's brother was in the area helping search for his niece. Anthony said that he found out he was sleeping under a bridge and let him crash on his couch for a few days. Did he ever confide in you anything about um, the case or anything about Just Shannon? He couldn't, he couldn't clear his sister. Those words will always, you know, I can't, is the way he said it. Mm-hmm. I can't clear my sister. So he was suspicious of, of Shannon, huh? Did he ever give you any, any real factual information that would be beneficial to the case? No, I'm, I, like I said, I'm here on my own free will. If I had any information, yeah, I'd give it to you. Because that'd be the same thing if something were to happen to my daughter. My God, yeah. yeah. I don't know how she does it. I mean, if she's innocent, God bless her soul. I don't know how she does it because I just thinking about it. What would I do if my daughter come up missing? Oh, yeah. And she's my world. That's all I've got. My old lady can go to hell, but my kid, that's no... Ah, yes, he claimed he couldn't clear his own sister of the crime. Anthony just continually tries to point the finger at Shannon. What Anthony didn't know while sitting in this interview was that investigators had matched his DNA to blood found on the windowsill into Kirsten's room and on the underwear they found in the backyard. The DNA match came back with a 293 sextillionth chance that the DNA was Anthony's. That's 293 followed by 21 zeros. It's estimated that there have been 107 billion people who have ever lived on the planet throughout history, and that's still 2.7 trillion times more than that. The chances of that not being his DNA are non-existent. We, we talked about, had you ever been in the backyard, have you ever been in the house, all those things, and you said you hadn't. No, while well, they were there, no. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't believe you, Tony. I don't think you're telling the whole truth. Okay. Your DNA is in the backyard the morning that she was discovered missing. Okay. And on her window, and on the panties she'd been wearing the night before that were recovered in the backyard. No. No, not me, because I was not. No. Hmm. Yeah, that that's the truth. I find it far-fetched, but no. Because I, I don't know. I didn't know him. Maybe you didn't know him, honey. But we need and to I didn't have no business over there at all. That may be also. What we need to talk about is what you were doing in that backyard that night. 
and what happened. We need to get to the truth of I what have no idea what you're talking about. Were you there trying to help Kirsten? No. Like I said, I didn't know anything about them people at all. Nothing. Nothing. Well, never met them. Never said hi, bye, nothing. Well, here's the here's our problem with that. Is how did your DNA get there? Then? Don't know. Anthony chose to go with the I don't know how my DNA got there approach. Now, there are legitimate reasons someone could have their DNA in someone else's backyard. He could have done some yard work for them and cut his hand. Maybe he leaned on the house and got blood on the windowsill. Maybe his blood got on her underwear as she was being dragged out of the window. Maybe he had fixed Kirsten's bike and cut his hand and the blood transferred that way. Damn, I should be a defense lawyer. The problem is that Anthony had just spent nearly an hour telling the investigators how he had never been in their backyard and had never been around Kirsten. He said he had never gone over there, never did yard work, never helped them with anything, and never fixed Kirsten's bike. He set himself up to have absolutely no reason for his DNA to be where it was. So now he just repeated over and over that he didn't know how his blood got there. He had absolutely no way to explain it. Well, I more, wasn't there. There's more to the story, Tony, and that's what we're hoping to get from you today. And this is your opportunity to be truthful and to take responsibility for whatever happened. Yeah, if I was responsible, that'd be different. Okay. Well, with that said, were you there and somebody else was there and actually took her and maybe you left I your DNA behind? I was not there. I'm not into little girls and I'm not a window peeper. Okay. Well, is there some other explanation for why you were in that backyard that night? I wasn't in that backyard. I don't know. My blood could have been there or what. I know I went to bed. I know when the dog woke me up, I didn't go out my back door. I let dog in and I went back to bed. Well, Tony, I, I don't know how to impress upon you any more than we've got the, the physical evidence there. And we have to get to that. Tony, we really do. And we have to get to a point where we can explain that. I understand that. He said, quote, I'm not into little girls, end quote. But it seems that other people would contradict that. In 1980, Anthony was suspected of breaking into the bedroom of the eight-year-old sister of his girlfriend. He broke in through the window, sound familiar, molested her, and slipped back out before getting caught. When police responded to the scene, they saw Anthony's truck parked nearby. He was never arrested due to lack of evidence. In 1982, Anthony brutally attacked and sexually assaulted his landlord, which ended up with him being convicted of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. The attack was witnessed by her son. Anthony served one and a half years of a five-year sentence. During his trial, another woman testified that Anthony had drugged and sexually assaulted her when she was 17 years old. He had a pattern, and it was of a predator. Of course, this is Anthony's explanation. I, don't, I, can't, I can't explain this. And the only thing that I'm thinking right now is, yeah, I'm being set up because we want to close this case. That's the only thing that's coming in my head right now. Seriously. 
the DNA that we got off of these panties, that was taken all the way back when it happened, okay? And it was put into a container where we could keep it indefinitely, all right? Um, it's been there ever since. The FBI took it um, when they were helping us. It was there, okay? We had what was called an unknown DNA sample. We knew that it was human DNA, we can tell that. When we got it back then, we didn't know the name attached to it. We didn't know whose DNA that was, okay? When the FBI and Detective Miller went out and got those swabs, okay, got them, they got them from a bunch of people, all right? You being one of them. Then it was tested against the sample that was taken off the windowsill and off of the panties, which by the way, I don't know if they told you this or not, but also has Kirsten's DNA on it. So her DNA's on it, your DNA's on it, and it's also on the windowsill. That was all done way back when this all happened. It's just now that the DNA um, results have come back. Sorry, Tony, they didn't plant that evidence. It's been sitting in a box for 18 years, waiting to be matched to you. Anthony Palma was charged with first-degree murder and kidnapping. Even though there was no body, enough time had passed that they could assume that she was dead. Authorities believed that Anthony kidnapped Kirsten, sexually assaulted her, and killed her shortly after. While awaiting trial, about a month after being arrested, Anthony attempted to commit suicide by cutting his wrists, but was unsuccessful. He pleaded not guilty at trial and kept denying that he was involved, but the jury didn't believe him and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Once convicted, he waived his right to appeal, which is very strange for someone who claims to be innocent. I think that he knew he would be unsuccessful and he didn't want to put Kirsten's family through that. Though he had multiple chances to tell Kirsten's family where her remains were, he refused. Shannon wrote to him in prison three times, and though she never brought up the whereabouts of her daughter's remains, he asked her to stop writing. On January 11, 2019, Anthony Palma was strangled to death by his cellmate in the Oklahoma State Penitentiary. His cellmate was serving life for first-degree murder. Though Anthony was the only person who likely knew where Kirsten's remains are, the family holds out hope that he might have told someone. If that person exists, they hope they'll come forward. Shannon has been very kind in her comments about forgiveness and not wanting to have Anthony's life ended the way it did. Personally, I think it was a death fit for a monster. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. If you're having feelings of harm in yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you might be facing. 
Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe or follow the show to ensure you don't miss an episode, and you can leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by checking out our merchandise at Teespring. You can also discuss the channel and the episodes on our subreddit, r forward slash thisismonsters. You can find more ways to support our show and how to find us on social media by visiting thisismonsters.com. Thanks again, and be safe. Did you hear that? Wine and champagne is 20% off. And that? Medium selection boxes like Skittles and Cadbury mix and match any three for five euro. 20 and 24 can boxes of Coke, Diet Coke and Coke Zero are just 12 euro. Have you got any 10 off 50s? And that's the sound of better value. Every week leading up to Christmas, there's new savings to be had. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Vouching abuse to next grocery shop of 50 euro or more. Vouching excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.